guys, welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number 53. I'm your host, Michael Citro, and I'm reminding you that you can follow me on social media at Mike's Records on Twitter and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. You can write me and tell me how I'm doing or send your suggestions to michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you can check out michaelsrecordcollection.com for all things related to the show, including the link to sign up for my free newsletter. If you'd like to support the show, no pressure, but you can do that for as little as $2 a month. Just $2 a month. Check out the levels of support and the benefits for each at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. Okay, this week I felt like doing something a little different, an album dive, and I selected the 1981 Journey classic, Escape. I thought I'd do my song rankings and talk a little bit about what's great about this iconic album that really launched Journey, an already famous band, to a whole new level of rock stardom in the 80s. To do that, I enlisted the help of my very first Patreon subscriber, Dave Rowe. Dave believed in this project from the beginning, and I'm grateful to have him as a show patron. I had a lot of fun revisiting this album and talking about it with Dave, so let's just get to that conversation, and at the end, we give our song rankings. Be sure to send me yours via Twitter or email. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to talk about Journey's Escape album, but joining me um, this week is actually one of my Patreon supporters, the very first Patreon supporter of Michael's Record Collection, David Rowe. Dave and I know each other, uh, have known each other for several years. We blog together, we podcast together elsewhere for sports, and um, Dave, thanks for being on this week's Michael's Record Collection. My pleasure. Um, it's it's going to be a little odd uh, talking about things that we don't usually talk about, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So you um, you were the first to show your belief in Michael's record collection and join the Patreon supporters, and so thank you for that. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. So what that is, if you're uh, if you've been hiding under a rock, you maybe don't know what Patreon is. Basically, this is a way to support independent projects like podcasting for example and the podcast michael's record collection podcast which is also a newsletter it's also a video channel but uh for all intents and purposes i just call it a podcast most of the time anyway there are several tiers of membership you go to patreon.com slash michael's record collection you can check them out all of the different tiers have different benefits of being a member for example you'll know what artists are coming up you know before everybody else you'll be able to know in advance when things are happening when interviews are taking place some tiers get to ask questions of the artists that we interview here some tiers get to actually be on the pod you know be on the podcast be on the uh, video with me and with the guest asking questions and there's different things different perks we just had a listening uh, party the other night with a few people in gathering listening to pink floyd's dark side of the moon that was fun that was fun uh it, it was i hadn't realized that it had been a while since i'd listened to the whole album through and so it was it was nice to get back into one of mine and i mentioned to you when we were doing it that pink floyd was my first concert when i was what 15 so it was a it was good revisiting yeah, that's a good way to ruin all future concerts. Yes. <laughs> to start out with Pink Floyd. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I leave it up to people. If they want to support the show, great. If they don't feel like the the benefits are worthwhile, that's fine. But you can, for as little as $2 a month, you can support the independent podcast. All of this money basically gets ends up getting put back into the show, whether it's for, you know, buying songs to you know spruce up the podcast or you know improve equipment uh got a nice uh, ring light now that i didn't have when we started yeah, you, <laughs> and, uh, you look a lot better than i do <laughs> so i'm i'm actually lit there's no glare from the laptop in my in my glasses anymore that was the biggest problem early on so uh yeah go to patreon.com slash michael's record collection take a look there's i think there's six tiers and and it's some you know there's just some basic stuff for two dollars a month and there's some really really cool stuff for for more so uh, it's there's something in every price range uh, if you have one less starbucks coffee per month 
uh, over the course of the month, uh, you can get like, what, two, three months worth of the $2 tier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, enough about that. Uh, Dave, thanks for being here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Journey's Escape. Uh, but one quick note that I wanted to get to before we get to that. Uh, the last two shows, we've talked about Kevin Gilbert's Shaming of the True. We talked to John Payne of Asia. And it's amazing, but the last week, uh, some of that stuff has sort of come together. Uh, first of all, um, I just received my copy of Shaming of the True on vinyl today. So I'm very nice. excited to get to this. This is a two vinyl set. It, it comes pretty quick. I got this in a week. It ships from California. And so I would advise people to go to kevingilbert.com and get your vinyl uh, Shaming of the True now. I think they've already sold out of the 100 um, copies of the Collector's Edition uh, don't think they've sold out quite yet of the, uh, the rest of the first pressing and they probably will repress this album at some point, but it's going to be bare bones packaging. You're not going to get the nice try, uh, you know, six panel gatefold kind of thing going. And so I'm excited about getting this on the turntable and, uh, and playing it. So, so there was that. And then John Payne, of course, of Asia, uh, going out on the road this summer to promote uh, or to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Aqua album, which was John's first album with the band, and also celebrating the band's first album, which was 40 years ago that that came out in 82. And um, I got to see John on Saturday night at SeaWorld. And that was, uh, it was a, a great concert. It wasn't like the Aqua heavy and, and Asia heavy show that he's going to be putting on, but he did do several songs from the first album and uh, did some aqua and it was a really great show his band is phenomenal and uh, it was a cool little theater right on the lake and uh, the wind was whipping john had to have his uh, his tech come and tie his hair back after the first <laughs> song or two and uh, and then after the show uh, his uh, his manager lee was uh, very very uh, kind and generous to invite me back to uh, say hello to john after the show so i got my i got my aqua cd booklet signed by john got a, got a selfie uh which is on the michael's record collection uh, twitter feed if you go look at that and um you know if, if you think it's probably cool to have a couple beers with the band after the gig in the green room well you're right it is pretty cool uh definitely jealous on that one and also uh thank you so much for reminding me that that first album was 40 years ago yeah uh. Um, none of us are getting any younger none of us are no. getting any younger <laughs> so so i invited dave on this week to uh one for to say thank you for him be, being the first um, patreon subscriber to michael's record collection and also because sometimes i just want to talk about really cool music that's the whole point of michael's record collection it's like when you you bought a record when you were a kid and you had your friends come over and you listened to it together and you talked about it it was great and that's kind of the the flavor the the vibe that i'm going for here and i i hope that that's coming through in the podcast and the videos and in to some extent the newsletter uh basically was, this is just a my love letter to music and journey's escape uh is a, a classic album came out in 1981 the year before <laughs> that first asia album so 41 years ago it was released july 31st 1981 on columbia records and this was Journey's seventh studio album and the first album uh, with Jonathan Kane on keyboards, replacing Greg Raleigh, who left the band in 1980. Uh, they had a tour in Europe and Greg told the band, I'm, I'm gonna be done with the band after this tour. He bowed out. They had worked with the babies as an opening act before and Greg Raleigh actually suggested Jonathan Kane, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Go out and get your own replacement, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you would hope. It. I mean, it's usually much more drums and drama than that when it comes to uh, artists and and uh, especially when you're talking about rock bands. So the fact that he did that is is actually really really cool. Yeah, uh, this album was produced by Mike Stone and Kevin Elson. Uh, Mike Stone's Famous producers done a lot of stuff. Kevin Elson, I, I believe, was was working sound for the Allman Brothers, um, and uh, Mike Stone also engineered this album. 
It was recorded at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California. And uh, this is the album we're talking about. The one that's behind you. This uh, scarab bursting out of the... Uh, I don't even know what that is. It's a it's a, an egg, a globe, a planet. Could be anything. Something round. Spherical. Well, all I know is from my childhood that Journey had some of the greatest album covers that were absolutely mind-blowing um inexplicable and yet cool as anything you'd ever seen yeah now i would say that's probably a planet of some type because on the back you get this ex extended artwork with like sort of a, a rainbow uh sort of uh i guess you'd call it like a i don't know it looks like a chemtrail <laughs> like a <laughs> like the, the 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 jet stream trail behind a jet uh, as the scarabs flying off towards a ringed planet, so I, I think it's uh, it's. I always thought it was cool. It's very sci-fi. I always like really cool sci-fi covers, and the it says journey like normal, and then below it it looks weird, and you're like, whoa, that's like future, like uh, some kind of other language. No, it's just journey written sideways, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, and then sort of they this was really stylized in the early '80s. Is this sort of using some numbers and sort of like your like you know how you would type out messages to your friends on the calculator you turn it upside down and stuff that's that's kind of what this escape font is which just kind of doesn't hold up as well as the picture i guess is what i'm trying to say well i i'll disagree slightly in that <laughs> now that we have passwords uh for logging into things people do that all the time so they were ahead of their time, man. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they're ahead of their time. But the font itself is a little, it's a yes. little 80s. Um, it was state of the art at the time. So it was cool and futuristic. This album had four top 20 hits uh, on the Billboard Hot 100 list. Don't Stop Believing, it reached number nine. Uh, Who's Crying Now reached number four. Still They Ride reached 19 and Open Arms uh, their highest charting single ever reached number two. It went to number one on the Cashbox chart. I always remember hearing Billboard and Cashbox. I don't know anything about the Cashbox chart. I yeah, me either. I mean, Billboard. I mean, Billboard put out their own you know compilation CDs. I didn't. I don't remember seeing the Cashbox one. Yeah, I didn't get any. Uh, Cashbox put theirs out on eight track. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Does Cashbox still exist? I don't even know that. I have no idea. I did have eight tracks, but I don't remember Cashbox. Fun side story today. I came into work and there was an eight track on my desk. The um, a friend of mine from work bought me. He was in some like thrift and antique store, and he saw the eight track for Genesis's Duke album. Knowing that I'm a big Genesis fan, he bought it for me, and it was on my desk this morning. And so that's kind of a cool little thing. I I hope he didn't pay more than a dollar for it but uh very cool because duke is my favorite genesis album well it's gonna cost you a lot more because now you're gonna have to go find an eight track player <laughs> yeah now i have it on cd i have it on vinyl i think i'm good i'll just good? I, what I, what i actually thought i would do is and it might cost me some money is i thought i'd put it in a shadow box and then i got to thinking maybe i'll just find all of the genesis albums that came out on eight track track them down on ebay or whatever and just put them all in one shadow box put up on the wall once again it's going to cost his, his thoughtful gift is going to yeah. cost you money. <laughs> yeah but it'll be a cool uh i guess conversation piece when i get it oh, done absolutely. And, and then i just need to have some friends to come over and, and actually have a conversation about it yeah yeah there's uh well you know covid's got to end sometime right <laughs> yeah it does but that's not going to help me get any friends. <laughs> so this album, Dave, went to number one in the United States on the Billboard 200 chart on September 12th of 81. There were not a lot of albums that were at number one that year. A lot of albums stayed at number one for quite some time. I think one of them was um, Styx's Paradise Theater. Um, there was another big one that was uh, up there for a while. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, there weren't that many albums that went to number one. Uh, there were some monster albums out that year and they just kind of stayed there when they got there. And this is the fifth highest selling album of 1981, which is hard to believe. 
but I think it's surpassed some of those other albums by now. And it is a 10 times platinum album in the U.S. That means more than 10 million copies were sold. Yeah, and that's just, you know, tracking actual buying of the entire album. That's not talking about downloads and everything else. So, yeah, I don't know how they add to it, but uh, it's what's what the RIAA calls it has diamond certification. They've, they've gone beyond platinum. They are diamond. And it also went to triple platinum in Canada, which has lower numbers required to meet that threshold. But still, that's pretty good. Three times platinum in any country is, is pretty, uh, pretty strong album. Uh, this was voted the greatest AOR album of all time in the 1988 Kerrang! Readers Poll. And in 2008, Classic Rock also deemed it the number one AOR album of all time, album-oriented rock. And unlike many albums, Journey's Escape, it spawned an Atari 2600 video game called Journey Escape in 1982. That's, that's when you know you've made it. Your album has become a video game. And it also tells you that most likely, and I don't remember this game, but most likely the game had very little to do with anything that could be described as, you know, at, at best it was you're escaping and it's probably like a little guy going bloop, 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 and you're trying to escape from a room or something because <laughs> it didn't have to make sense. I think it had, and I don't, I didn't have the game. I think it had something to do with the scarab on the cover, um, but I don't know what you were supposed to do with it. Uh, but you're escape. right. Probably, it probably, yeah, probably had nothing to do with the band. Like there probably wasn't like a little, um, Eight bit Steve Perry running around. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the game never, the game never told you. You know, when, when you when you died and, and restarted, it didn't say "Don't stop believing." Yeah, it probably did uh, make some reference to dead or alive at some point. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe when you're almost to the end of the game, maybe it told you "Don't stop believing." I don't know. Uh, if you died, maybe it's, it would tell you. It would ask you who's crying now. That's possible. I don't know. If if you had this video game, the Journey Escape video game for Atari 2600, write to me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com and describe it to me because I have to know more about this game. I could have I could have probably found something on YouTube about it, um, but that seemed like a lot of work. Yeah, we don't like homework. Exactly. All right, the personnel on this album. Steve Perry, of course, lead vocals. Neil Schoen. Lead guitar, backing vocals, Jonathan Kane, keyboards, rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Ross Valerie, bass and backing vocals, and Steve Smith on drums and percussion. A monster lineup of musicians that Journey had in that time. Yeah, uh, ridiculous when you, you look back at that. And it's it's funny because, you know, we both listened to this album uh, today and, and just like with Dark Side of the Moon the other day, it's the first time I've listened to like the whole album as in one sitting again. And it was it was interesting the the different emotions and and things that it brought up and, and memories that it brought up while I was doing so uh including like you know the those early 80s mtv videos that all seem to be the same type of thing and you can just see the guys from journey like all doing the <laughs> back and forth thing and so anyway it it, it just reminded me of that yeah, this was a, a huge album at the time. Everybody had it. I remember I ran out and got the Open Arms 45 uh, 7-inch single for a party. I had to have some slow dance music at the party. You know, those high school parties, you had to go out and, and get some tunes. And uh, I remember, I don't remember what year it was. I remember buying certain 45s for just for parties. And I remember that one specifically. And I remember getting... Dan Fogelberg's Run for the Roses. Okay. It's a ballad, but it's about freaking horse race. And yet right. it was popular at the time. So I got it. I didn't even think anything about it being about a horse race. People slow dance to it though. So success. I, I don't think they were always worried about what the words of any given song were during slow dance. Yeah, that was not the point in high school of the slow dance. It was, is it slow? Can I get a girl to be very close to me? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Kane and Perry got a songwriting credit on all 10 tracks. That doesn't happen very often for bands like this. Uh, Neil Sean uh, had a, a writing credit on eight of them, all but Who's Crying Now and Open Arms. So 
He's more the rocker type. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. So the album kicks off, obviously, with Don't Stop Believing. This was the it was the second single off the album. A singer in a smoky room. I smell a wine and cheap perfume. For a smile they can share the night. It goes on. It was uh, released in October of 81. This thing has 1.2 billion with a B streams on Spotify. Yeah, it's when you go and look on Spotify or any any, any place where and, and you look at the whole album, and this is, you know, not just for this, but there are ones like this. And you'll see how many downloads and it's, you know, hundreds of thousands, million, and then you you see something like Don't Stop Believing and, and you know, you're just adding digits across the way and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's so much more than the rest of them. Yeah, the rest are in the millions and I don't believe, let's see, I'll look at it now. So, yeah, 1 million, 3 million, 3.9, 7.9 million, 2.6 million. Uh, who's Crying Now is 44.9 million but I mean, we're not talking. Open Arms has 164 million. That's that doesn't. There's over a billion more streams for "Don't Stop Believing" than there is for "Open Arms," another very popular song. Absolutely, and and it doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, although I do wonder how many of those, you know, billion were when uh, at the end of the Sopranos, and people were like, "Ah, I can't finish the show. Let me go finish the song." Yeah, this uh, that song has become unbelievably iconic. It is is played. It's been, the, I think, the theme song for a couple of different World Series teams. It's been played at every, just about every sporting event you can name. You and I cover Orlando City Soccer Club. They play that at halftime just about every game. Yep. yep. Uh, which is really weird when they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's if it's working, why change? Yeah, exactly. Steve Perry, Jonathan Kane, Neil Schoen uh, combined to write Don't Stop Believing. It started with a line that Jonathan Kane's father used to tell him when Jonathan was talking about how tough it was, the music business was, and he didn't really know if he was going to make it or what was going on with his career. And his father used to tell him, Don't Stop Believing. And so that kind of started. Uh, that's kind of the germ for the song. It is a timeless song. It's got a, a fantastic guitar solo. recorded musically in one take that's that that blows me away I, that's rare i mean there's I, I don't know how many times that's happened i mean i know of one other time with a different band uh where that happened but man that's when they're in the studio and they go through and they do that and they're like yep okay got it yeah, nobody made a mistake. We're good. Nobody, we got it. Yeah. Uh, just crazy. Uh, uh, Steve Perry did not uh, was not able to do his vocals that day. He had to do them the next week. He had a cold, and he recorded them the next week. And reportedly, basically most of what you hear is one take from him. Uh, also, he had to like go back and clean up a you know a few things, but basically one take. Rolling Stone magazine, which incidentally absolutely bashed this album when it came out uh they named it one of their top uh 500 greatest songs of all time 
it's it, like I said, it's immediately identifiable when the when the intro starts. It's like that iconic opening keyboard riff, and yeah, Rolling Stone. You don't get to name it one of your five you know, five hundred best songs when you bash the album when it comes out. Well, I'm I'm sure that it's somebody at Rolling Stone's like, uh, I wouldn't hear that man. So uh, that was that other guy. He's gone. He yeah. fired him. I was I did read a couple of the reviews. I was gonna I was gonna shame the the writers, but they're probably not listening to this podcast. So, and they're probably retired. I mean, they might even be in Florida <laughs> like we are. There's they're some in retirement home in Boca. Yeah, exactly. The second track, "Stone in Love." This is a song that was built around uh, that that really nice Neil Sean guitar riff. Those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall those were the best times. I guess he invented at a party. <laughs> um, it was released. This one was that song was released as a single, it was a fifth single off the album, but only in the UK in October of '82. The vocals and the guitars on this song just sublime. It's worth listening to also to just focus on Ross Valerie's bass lines. You got a really underrated bass line in this song. Yeah, like you were saying, the the guitar in this I, like as we're talking like it's i can hear it in my head mm-hmm. and i'm like and it's like you say iconic and the the other thing that when i was listening to it earlier was striking me was um you know, you, always, you do think of the you know the vocals and the harmonies and, and things like that when it comes to journey and and this one when they get to the you know stone in love and don't listen to me sing because i'm horrible uh but you know when they all hit that together that's i wouldn't say goosebumps but it's really really good yeah no i i think you can say goosebumps i think that it's a great harmony uh you know uh chorus the third track who's crying now was the first single came out in july of 81 steve perry came up with the melody without the lyrics he just kind of scattered scattered the lyrics uh or, or the vocal line into a tape recorder brought over jonathan kane's house and they said yeah, I think he got something here. I like this. And uh, and then they started hashing it out. He needed, Steve needed a little bit of help with the lyrics. So Jonathan Cain, very good songwriter, helped out with the lyrics. This is a, a song that has, again, uh, it's, actually Steve Smith only drums in the choruses and at, near the end. So that's an interesting factor for the song. But Who's Crying Now is this kind of mid-tempo thing. And it was the first single. I mean, there's rarely any mid-tempo singles. No, and like you said, so it's not even like it's going to be a, a, a slow dance song, but it's nothing hitting the, the heavier uh, rock beats. Uh, good song, but just odd, like you say. A five-minute mid-tempo single. <laughs> I guess only Journey could get away with that. I mean, it it went to number four. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're Journey. This is what we want to do. Amazing outro guitar solo by Neil Sean in this song.
beautiful you got the beautiful piano and bass intro that guitar solo is something that they asked sean to do a, an outro solo he went and he came up with this really complex thing that he liked nobody else in the band thought it was right for the song and so he went and did like he in his words he, he said like the silliest thing he could think of and and simplest and silly the silly simple thing that he could come up with and everybody loved it and now it's this iconic song and it's it's one of the most ripped off solos you know parts of that solo are ripped off more than than most songs you'll hear i mean if you if you listen to a lot of music you'll hear little bits and pieces of that that outro solo from from who's crying now and sean was like oh i guess i guess that's the secret to unlocking me is i just got to be keep it simple well like you say sometimes uh, those things uh, come together in weird ways you know that's a lot of, there's there's tons of stories in rock history and, and history just in general where it's you know simple stupid things or goofy things and you know i mean we've got a there's a song by the beatles called octopus garden for goodness sake so uh, you know it it's a good illustration of that and, and so is so is that riff yeah fantastic and um it, it even sounds like the guitar is crying at the end of the song who's crying now so it's it, it's just really amazing an amazing uh song uh keep on running is the fourth track a big uh, a rocking number for me it's a good song it's not a great song but it's a good song kind of basic i don't skip it i like it enough that i don't skip it but it's it's probably not one of my top songs on the album again even when a when a band like journey can put together an album like this it probably is in the bottom half of the songs but on a lot of other bands albums that might be one of the top songs on the album the thing for me on it when i was listening to it is it's so 80s and by that i mean it's so like this is a song that would have been used in uh, the as the intro music for a 80s ski uh teen you know teen ski uh romance romp uh comedy movie yeah <laughs> that's it's the you know they're coming in on the mountain and this is what's playing and you know the guy's coming down the hill on the skis so yeah this is that song or like they're getting ready to party and somebody hits play on the boom box and this song just blasts out of it right yeah exactly it's 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 so quintessentially 80s that yeah. uh, i immediately thought of stuff like that definitely an 80s rocker that's uh the end of side one hits with still they ride this is a, a slow sort of a soaring song steve perry crushes the vocal on this fourth single on the album came out in may of 82 just a really incredibly emotional solo from neil and just an outstanding song yeah yeah i mean there's 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 only so much you can say about this one it's it's solid it's just absolutely solid and like say fourth i think you said it was fourth single uh single from the album 
Yeah, and this one only, uh, I mean, it, it was a top 20. It made it to ni only 19, right. but for me, I think it should have been higher. I think it's just uh, the way that, if you go back and just pay attention to only the way that S Steve Perry sings it, yeah. and then you, you come out of that second verse and that second chorus when, he's, when he, he cuts off uh, the chorus because the first time he says... Um, you know, still they ride on wheels of fire. They rule the night. He says it twice the first time. The second time he says it once, kind of clips the end of it. And then Sean's guitar solo kicks in. And just that moment is, really, talk about a goosebump moment on an album. That is one. Yeah, yeah. It's, I agree. It, it probably should have gone a little higher. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, trying to remember back to 1981. I mean, I was live and all that. But, uh, you know, what was going on? elsewhere elsewhere on the charts and and who was listening to what god knows but um yeah no that's heck of a way to end side one incredible and just as good as side one ends side two begins with the title track escape this is a, a rocking yet melodic song it's got some depth to it perry sings the crap out of it. it it would be the best song on a lot of albums oh easily easily yeah it's <sighs> And it's funny, a lot of times, you know, my, my sons have this thing where if when, when you hear the, the name of whatever it is, they're like, okay, that's it. That's something I'm done. Like when they mention the name of the, the movie in the movie, it's like, oh, nope, stop the movie. Um, and you don't want to do that with this because this is too good of a song. So. Yeah. Great title track, and uh, again, I, I just Mike Stone just got such great performance out of of Perry vocally on this album. It, it to me, and there's a lot of great vocals from Steve Perry through the years. For me, yeah. this album is the pinnacle of what Steve Perry did with his voice in his career. This is it, and, and as great as as the Frontiers album is, some of the stuff that came before this album, for me, he really got the best out of himself on this album. Well, and at the very least, from a, a top to bottom standpoint on the album, you know, everything, everything hits um, with his vocals on this one. Uh, the second track is Lay It Down. Perry hitting some notes here that I'm pretty sure makes dog's ears bleed. Just, I don't know how he gets up that high. I'm pretty sure he can't do it today, but holy cow. Well, I don't know how many people could do it when he could do it. Yeah. I mean, let alone today. So it was, it's, that's one of the, the one of the problems with Journey and listening to Journey is you can't karaoke Journey. <laughs> yeah. You're never going to do. Not well. <laughs> Not well, anyway. Yeah. The, some of the notes he hits, I don't even know what made him think to go there. Like, it's just mind-boggling that he even tried to hit some of those notes because it's he's just adding like a flourish on the end of a on the end of a line, and he's just hitting some just incredibly high notes and and lay it down. 
Uh, track three is Dead or Alive. Sort of a grungy, punky song for its time mm -hmm. with almost some ragtimey piano going on throughout it in the background. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, I don't, I don't like it as much as some of the other uh, stuff on the album, but it's it is it is interesting. I mean, I still like there isn't there isn't a song on the album that I don't you know like. Mm -hmm. I like all of them, it, you know. But we're going to be talking about which ones we like best. This is not the one I like best. Spoiler, um, <laughs> but uh, ruin the whole show. Ruin time all right that's it i'm taking the headphones off um but yeah no I, it's i i i hadn't thought about you know the using the term grungy but you're right yeah and i don't mean that in a in a term like a nirvana type grunge or a sound garden it's just sort of a dirty like it's right. it's got that sort of uh it's got just a kind of a grungy vibe to it and uh and and the the piano part I wouldn't have thought to put that type of a piano part in that, uh, you know, in with the riff, the main riff, but it works really well and uh, not a bad song, but we will get to our album ranking, uh, song rankings on this album uh, before we are done today. So Escape, I think it's okay to say that from the song Escape, the next two songs are probably a little bit of a letdown comparatively with the rest of the album, but then just two really emotional songs end this thing and mm -hmm. that starts with mother father a song about you know a broken family a very emotional song the lead and harmony vocals are phenomenal starts out this classical sounding keyboard and guitar part the instrumental bridge in this song is amazing with with neil and and jonathan kane playing together and one of and i keep saying this but one of Beth perry's best vocal performances in journey on this song mother father yeah so this one uh my you know, personal thing my parents got divorced in uh 79 when i was eight years old and this only came out you know not too much longer after that you know i'm still i'm 10 years old and or had i just turned 11 i think i just turned 11 but so i'm at a time in my life where divorced parents and you know heading into middle school and you know, all of the things that go along with that and so this song brings not in a bad way but it just brings up that part of childhood for me mm -hmm. yeah so this is a just a song that I always have trouble singing along to, not just because he hits some notes that I can't hit, but uh, <laughs> also because it's, it's just really emotional. It's hard to, it's hard to sing those words without getting a little bit choked up. So it's, it's yeah. a really emotional song. I 
it's one of the best songs on the album for me. And we'll, of course, we'll get to our rankings uh, momentarily. Uh, and then the album ends with a ballad and a very different kind of song for Journey to this point. It was a rock band. They didn't. They even did some prog rock and some, you know, some blues rock and things like that. But they didn't ever do just a straight ballad like this before. And it was the third single off the album. Came out in January of '82. Ended up being the band's biggest hit. Uh, it stayed at number two for six weeks. Uh, it appeared on the heavy metal movie soundtrack famously. Uh, VH1 named it the greatest power ballad of all time. Wow. Jonathan Cain started writing this song while he was still with the babies, but John Waite didn't like it. <laughs> well, you know, that's another one of those rock and roll stories of, man, I might have messed up on that one. Yeah, maybe I should have taken a crack at that, uh, but um, I wonder how it would have sounded with John Waite singing it rather than Steve Perry. It's it's almost John Waite is a great singer, but it's almost unimaginable. Uh, at this point, it's completely unimaginable. Yeah, because uh, you know, at least for those of us uh, who've been around for a while and have listened to these things over and over again, you know, all you have to do is say the two words, and my head, you know, in my head, the the song starts playing. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely uh, true with this one. And like you said, power ballad extreme. And once again, Steve Perry's vocals. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Everything about it's great. The melody's great. It's a monster ballad. Uh, like John Waite, Neil Sean wasn't a fan of this song to begin with. There was a lot of discussion about whether or not to include it. And I think they're all probably pretty glad they included, but Jonathan and Steve Perry really championed it. And, and I guess Ross and Steve were on board and it was like kind of Neil was the last holdout. It wasn't really until it was recorded and released and played live that, that Neil Sean saw this reaction that the crowd had to this song and went, yeah, that song's kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> So um, unbelievable. This actually is, I don't know if it's the first one because there may be one that I'm forgetting, but I think this is the first our song that I had as a, as a kid um, uh -huh. dating a girl named Tracy and open arms was our song. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that I had ever had it as an our song thing, but that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. Do you have, did you have our song with, with, you know, various interests in your life. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, some uh, little, little river band, uh, once upon a time, uh, <laughs> which song somebody... hang on help is on its way. <laughs> well, it was, it was the ex-wife. So at this point, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that one anymore. Lonesome loser. <laughs> no, I'm happily married now. All right. So there you have it. Ten very strong songs. I mean, I think this might be my favorite Journey album of their entire catalog. And that's saying something because I really love Infinity, really love Frontiers. Mm -hmm. Frontiers was the first uh, one that I ever owned. Journey was a band that was always on the radio. So I never really felt inclined to go out and buy their stuff. They were on the radio. They were in movies. They had, mov uh, they had songs in movies like Caddyshack. It's like, they were just kind of always everywhere all the time, it seemed like. And I remember, I think the first thing I ever bought from them was the 45 of Love and Touch and Squeezin'. And then, uh, of course, the Open Arms 45. And then the first cassette, the first album I bought was on cassette was Frontiers. 
uh, and my friend bought Escape. What happened a lot of times was uh, my friend and I would both be in the Columbia Record Club together mm-hmm. or separately, and we would get our 12 tapes for a penny or whatever. And I'd say, what are you getting? And he'd say, what are you getting? We would sort of like, if we both wanted um, like a foreigner album, he would get one and I would get one. And then we'd swap them back and forth and maybe make, you know, duplicate them, make a copy for the other guy. And and that way we could sort of double our, our music um, libraries, yeah, which, we, which to... we were already stealing from Columbia House. Because <laughs> you wanted to get the most for your penny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, the statute of limitations is up, Columbia House. You can't get me now. Nope and yeah none of us and they had that tells you how much money the the record companies were making back then because they knew that so many of us were doing that very thing not to mention the you know sitting there listening on the radio for the this you know because the djs at the time would tell you the song's coming up and then you'd be like sitting there waiting with your play record buttons yeah and then then that jerk dj would keep talking through the intro of the song you're like man you ruined my copy yeah exactly I'm, hey man i'm trying to record games people play by the alan parsons project first of all you said it was coming up this hour and you were right but it was like at five minutes till the next hour so i had to wait like a whole hour and then you talked over the beginning which is the cool part <laughs> right so you've ruined it johnny uh johnny on the radio yeah exactly so where does this album rank in the journey catalog for you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had never thought of it because it was just, you know, but after listening to it again, yeah, probably my favorite. I mean, just with the, the between, well, I mean, we're going to get to the list, but I mean, between so many of the tracks that are, are that I still listen to this day just randomly um, that are off of this album. I, I would put it up there. The weird thing about it is that there's there's a lot of albums, there's a lot of bands that have had songs that have been huge that they come on and you just like, oh, this again. These right. songs don't do that. When Don't Stop yeah. Believing comes on, you've heard it a billion times and you still don't go, oh, it's Don't Stop Believing. I mean, you get into it. No, there's there are certain just like there's certain movies that when they come on TV, no matter where it is in the movie, you're like, all right, I guess I'm watching this for the next half hour, 40 minutes or whatever. Don't stop believing you. If you click into a radio station and it's playing at any point, you're like, Oh, guess I'm, I'm listening to the rest of this. Cause yeah. it's, you're just not going to not do that. I'm late for work and I'm in the parking lot and I'm sitting here for the next three minutes. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, boss. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, depending on who the boss is, if you walk in and you went, had to stop uh, i had to finish listening don't stop believing he would have been like all right no worries yeah if you have a cool boss if you have a cool boss you have a cool boss all right so let's get to our song rankings on this album this is something we haven't done on the uh show before but we're going to take the 10 songs on this album we're going to go 10 to 1 we're going to count them down and i'm going to let you go first what is your number 10 track i'm I'm interested to see how we sort of align here because we sort of I've known you a while. We sort of have a lot of the same taste and a lot of the same opinions. So I'll be interested to see where we differ on this. But uh, number 10 for you, Dave. All right. Number 10 uh, for me is Lay It Down. Okay. Your 10 is Lay It Down. I'm going to, I'm typing it out because I I need to make sure that I uh, can compare these. Mine is Keep On Running. Okay. All right. Keep On Running. Again, not a skipper. Not a song I don't like, but something has to be last, just like something has to be first. Okay. All right. Um, I like it. Number nine. All right. Number nine for me is Dead or Alive. Samesies. All right. <laughs> we have a, we have a tie. Uh, or I guess it's not a tie. It's just a we're in agreement yes. on that one. There you go. Dave, number eight on the album. Your eighth favorite al- uh, song on the Escape album uh it's uh who's crying now wow deep you're yeah. burying it deep i am okay yeah we differ on that one um <laughs> not not by a ton i will right. say that but my number eight is lay it down okay so we got uh, you've got you've got lay it down as your 10 and 
uh, Dead or Alive and Who's Crying Now. I've got Keep on Running, Dead or Alive, and Lay It Down. Now we get to track seven. Your seventh favorite on the album is... Keep on Running. Keep on Running. Okay. And I'm going to be honest. I think it probably moved up a little bit today in listening to it just because of the joy it gave me in thinking of the stupid 80s movies. <laughs> yeah. That's... I, I tell you, just preparing for this, Lay It Down probably climbed a couple spots for me. Um, so uh, there's your seven. My seven is Who's Crying Now? So... I think we got what the same four songs in the bottom. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. It takes us to six. So All this right. will be uh, the the last of the bottom half of the album. Uh. So for me, six is going to be escape. Escape. All right. The rocker. All right. My six. Sorry, Tracy Johnson. Uh, I don't know actually what her last name is now. <laughs> Open Arms is my six. I love the song. Love it. Absolutely love it. But again, you have to put them in order. You have to, something has to rise. And when, when you've got 10 songs and six of them are five-star songs, you still have to put them in order. You still have to rank them. So that's the tough part of ranking. So six is Open Arms for me. That takes us to the top half. What's the bottom song in your top half of the album? Open arms. Open arms. See, look at that. We are, we are very similar. I think. I'm not convinced that Michael Keaton didn't. Uh, we're not offshoots of Michael Keaton. Duplicit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my number five is Escape. Yeah. Okay. So we flip flopped again, uh, which brings us to the top four, the cream of the crop. Number four for you, Dave. Still, they ride. Still they ride. All right. And my number four is, and I hated to put it this low because it seems low, but again, I love the song to bits. It's Don't Stop Believing. Wow, okay. That brings us to our top three. We're now on the podium. Who's uh, who's that third spot on the podium for you? Uh, Stone in Love. Stone in Love, okay. So I see where this is going for you. And my number three is Mother Father. Okay. So that brings us to your runner up. What is your second favorite song on Escape? Mother Father. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. And my number two is Still They Ride. All right. Just can't, uh, can't get enough of that, uh, the way Steve sings that song. Yeah. And that means your number one is Don't Stop Believing. It is. And I make no apologies for that because there's a reason that there's over a billion downloads of this song and that it's it's because it is, as I'm, when we were talking about it earlier, it's that one that when it comes on, I don't care if I'm catching the last 10 seconds or if I'm, you know, choosing it when I'm I'm playing my own stuff. I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm loving it. And I've got so many great memories over the past 10 years or so of listening to it with my sons and, and they love it. And it's, for me, it's, um, it's, it, I, for me, it's one of the greatest rock songs of all time. It's certainly better than 500, you know, whoever did that. Well, um, it's in the top 500. I didn't actually uh, go look up where they had it, but it's one of their top 500 songs. Well, I'm willing to bet that it's probably at least one higher than whatever they picked it. <laughs> yeah. So don't. St the cool thing here is that uh, they like the they they like the idea of a city boy coming out of Detroit. They tried east, west, and north. They didn't like the way that those words sounded, so they went with South Detroit. There really isn't a South Detroit. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> the, sometimes you have to a uh, little poetic license for the uh, the art. Tell me, there's there's not a single person that doesn't sing that line at a Journey concert. Oh, geez. and nobody's what? thinking. Nobody's thinking. Oh, there is no South Detroit. They're just singing along. Even the people in Detroit are singing along. Yeah, they're going. You know what, Journey? We're gonna make a South Detroit just for you. Yeah, it's it might be. It's like one square block, but it's yours. Yeah, it's for you. Uh, of course, my number one is uh, Stone in Love. Just phenomenal song. I've always been a deeper cut guy, though. So, like, it's not surprising that 
that um, for me, some of the hits are, have, you know, kind of drifted to the middle. But again, so, like, I would say, I, I think out of these 10 songs, I would give five stars to seven of them. Yeah, easily. And, the, and then the other ones are four star. I mean, this is a this is a really creme de la creme album. And so, I mean, on any given day, my order might be slightly different, slightly varied. But um, yeah, Stone Love's a, a song that I could, I really just, I hear that. And I'm just like, okay, you got me, Neil. I'm yours for the next few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Please be gentle. <laughs> I... <laughs> no, Neil, it's never gentle. That's about it. He is the one in that band that is never gentle. That's, That's the right. entire point of him in that band. <laughs> Uh, just an unbelievable record from start to finish and um, deserving of its uh, many, many accolades. And of course, launching this band into, you know, being stadium material, stadium headliner uh, band uh, material. Um, they're still even rocking it nowadays. They, they're still filling arenas and charging, not what the Eagles are charging, but they're still charging a lot of money to go see them. <laughs> well, you know what? They put the time in and and all their, you know, not all. A lot of the fan base is older and has more disposable income than they did uh, 40 years ago. So, mm. you know, and inflation, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to, I don't know why I'm trying to help multimillionaires justify <laughs> their money. I have the same amount of disposable income now as I had in 1981, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> you have a lot more bills now than then. Yes, yes, yeah, that is for sure. That went. Yeah. <laughs> so, Journey Escape. I mean, you, we. I think we've said all that we can really say about it. It is a. It's an iconic album. It is a an '80s album that, of its time, was it was huge at the time, and it's only just grown in stature in the years since then. I mean, like I said, if you go back and you look up, uh, "Don't Stop Believing," barely reaching the top ten. And now it's got more than 1.2 billion streams and you know streams haven't been around that long so no. <laughs> to get that many streams is amazing the fact that they play it at all these sporting events that teams adopt it that um politicians adopt it uh anybody that is trying to pump people up basically adopt don't don't stop believing as some sort of anthem for them and it's it's just struck a chord with so many people that song has just become part of who we are as a species at this point yeah it it, it is that big it's that big of a song that you know you don't have to be in an english-speaking country to know that or even to know the words and it, you know it it's gonna it hits everywhere you don't even he have to hear all the instruments to know what song it is if you hear the bass going do you know what song that is yeah yeah that's one of those uh there's that show before even us uh i can name that tune uh <laughs> name that know. tune name that tune i can name yeah. that tune in one note oh name that tune. <laughs> probably actually yeah. yeah if it's the keyboard just jonathan kane hits that first note and you're like that that that's no stop leaving journey escape yeah. Got it. Your records, 1981. Give me all the extra points. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's been fun talking about this with you. I've been uh, I've been uh, having a good time listening to it. I'm I want to do more of this style of show in the future. I'm going to, of course, the newsletter. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, uh, please go to michaelsrecordcollection.com. Click on the link. It'll take you to my newsletter. You sign up for free. It's in your mailbox. I will be doing, um, you know, my thoughts on the album in written format, and you can get one every week and get an episode or an issue of the newsletter. Please make sure you're subscribed to the uh, podcast and uh, visit the video channel and hit the subscribe button there. That helps me too. You don't have to actually go and watch all the videos, but if you just open YouTube and click on subscribe, that's it's very helpful. So I appreciate that. And Dave, I really appreciate Patreon support uh, from. Folks like you who who like to you know support the little guy, the uh, the independent podcast or independent writing uh, is something that you know I would be able to do a lot more of this with 
with more support, obviously. And, um, you know, the, the dream would be to make this my full-time gig, but of course that is a, uh, that is a pipe dream for which I will not stop believing. Yes. Don't stop believing. I, I do want to, uh, uh, say a couple things. One, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber, like Michael said, go do it completely worth it. Excellent podcast. Um, I've, as he's mentioned, I've known Michael seven, eight years now, and we've done a lot of, uh, writing and podcasting together. And I can tell you he's the consummate pro when it comes to that. And he's always going to give his best Two, I want to thank you for having me on this show because you gave me an opportunity to go back and listen to, like I said, a whole album. I haven't listened to the whole album as a, as a thing in a while. And so being able to do that was really cool. So I appreciate that. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you had uh, as much fun as I did. This is, uh, it's been great. I, I always love album deep dives because, you know, I'll go through it and I'll spin it and I'll list, I'll just do like a superficial well, first listen, then I'll go in and I'll go, okay, let me think about the lyrics a little bit now. Okay. Now I'm going to listen to the guitar. Now I'm going to listen to see what the drummer's doing. Mm -hmm. And the thing is with a, with a group of musicians as good as these five, every time you concentrate on something different, you hear the song just it just grows in your estimation every, you know, like like okay now i'm just gonna listen to ross doing bass sounds boring on the surface but you go through and you listen you go holy cow this is actually a pretty good bass album right yeah i mean it's this is what well as many are the sum is you know made up of a bunch of excellent parts and mm -hmm. if you can focus on some of those parts then it gives you a little bit of nuance or you're, you're seeing the individual trees in the forest. Um, and that, that has its own merit. Exactly. All right. If you want to tell me your song rankings from journeys escape, you can write to me at Michael's record collection at gmail.com would be happy to uh, hear what you have to say. And, uh, or if you have any other thoughts about the show, you want to pass along, please write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, of course, you can follow me at Mike's Records on Twitter because they won't let me have enough characters to put at Michael's Record Collection. So it's just at Mike's Records. And then it's Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I don't have a TikTok, sadly. I'm not a twerker. <laughs> yeah, no TikTok. Oh, well. You wouldn't want me to twerk anyway. It would, no. it would probably not look very dissimilar to the... Uh, mayhem commercial right that people would be uh would be calling 911 because something was going horribly wrong exactly uh dave thank you so much for being with me thanks for your time i know you don't have that much of it because you're like me and you're busy <laughs> so i appreciate you being here to talk about journey escape absolutely thank you for having me Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.